Well, man, I might preach a little bit. Here we go. (laughs) All right, let's pray and we'll get right into the Word. Lord, we thank you for 10 years. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Thank you for sending uh, Pastor Mark and Pastor Amy here to do the will of God. Thank you for sending them here to Boise. Lord, we're we're grateful for the last 10 years. And Lord, we we look to what you have accomplished, but Father, we, we stretch in the days ahead for what is to come. That we'd have an anticipation, a heavenly mentality that the will of God would be wrought right here in our church. That every believer would, would walk in the fullness of what you've given us. I thank you for great strength tonight for every person in this room. Great, great boldness for every person in this room. And Father, we say the next 10, the next 20 years will be a, a blaze of glory through every person. They'll be walking manifestations of the glory of God. You'd show forth your goodness and your kindness through every person in here. I ask you to pour through them and and use them in this hour. And Father, may this church be a, a pool of Bethesda for the whole region to see how good you are. That Jesus would be magnified. Jesus would be glorified. He would be lifted up in everything that's done and wrought in this place. And Father, we thank you for utterance tonight. Show us how great you are. We thank you for, for revelations tonight to see you as you are. May we rip off the scales of unbelief and religion and, and see you high and lifted up. Your train filling the temple. Father, we're hungry. We're here on Monday night. We, we hunger for you. We love you. We honor you. Thank you for dying for us. In Jesus' wonderful name. And everybody said amen. amen. You know, we've come to that place here at the very end of the church age where you, you kind of see a separating of the men from the boys. You know, I heard Pastor Mark say that because you, you kind of see people that maybe 30 or 40 years ago, when I got in this when I was a kid, uh, my mom would, would haul me to meetings, and my pastor in California, he says, Joe had a drug problem. Uh, my, my mom drugged me to church all the time. Hallelujah. <laughs> but, you know, back then, people were so hungry, they carried their concordances, and they just they didn't miss anything. And, man, now you, you have to make yourself go, I'm in this. I'm going to hear the word over and over and over again and, and feel yourself more than just Sundays and Wednesdays. Get Pastor Mark's tapes, feed on them all the time. There's no excuse to, to be hearing the word every day because God has something for all of us. He wants to have an explosion just like the book of Acts right here before he comes back. The cool thing about this deal is, is look at all of you that have been taught who you are so God has a highway and a platform to flow through. He's raised up a whole group of radical vessels. So a lot of times over the years when, when we go preach, you know, we'll preach what you have to do to manifest the power of God, you know, and, and uh, the different things that we do to, to take His authority, use the name of Jesus. Uh, but, you know, sometimes you'll be in a conference and the Lord will talk about what He's going to do. I want to try to kind of blend those tonight to show us how awesome He is and show us what He will do right here at the end of the church age. If it started in power, it will finish in power. Radical demonstrations of the glory and the power of the Son of God. I was telling Pastor Mark, we were preaching in in Connecticut a while back. Uh, Turn there in your Bibles, if you would, to Acts. Acts chapter uh, 7, I believe it is. I was preaching in Connecticut in this church, and and when I finished, I just had a casual word of knowledge. You know, I kind of try to do things a little bit low-key. I had a casual word of knowledge. The Lord told me somebody, their, their thyroid was shot. And, uh, and that their back was damaged. No big deal. I just said, well, you're healed. And I didn't have time to call it out and have everybody come down just because everybody's so busy. We're in a hurry. You know? So I said, okay, you're healed. We'll see you tomorrow. Praise the Lord. So afterwards, <laughs> he, the man walked up to me, probably 25, 26. He and his girlfriend walked up to me, and he was kind of shaking like, man, man, that, that's me. He said, the doctors told me my thyroid was shot. They want to inject this, uh, 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 put a needle right in my thyroid. 
And I said, well, man, praise God you're healed. He goes, no, 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 my back's healed too. He said, freak me out. I'm sitting there, my back's healed. I said, well, I'm glad you came. And we'll see you tomorrow. Praise the Lord, see you tomorrow night. Come back, hear the word. Well, his girlfriend came back the next night. He didn't come back the next night. But she said, you don't understand your whole message. He was saying the whole time you're preaching, he's a con man. He's a con man. He's a con man. So he's mocking the message and he still gets his thyroid rebuilt and his back healed. So, so God wants to demonstrate his mercy and his kindness. So he set your life up for this last deal before he comes back so that people you work with can really see what Jesus is really like. Hallelujah. So let's go here to the scriptures. And we'll get into it because uh, we're all so blessed. And I sure appreciate you coming. Go, go to Acts chapter 7. I did say that, right? Acts chapter 7. We, we know the book of Acts started out in such a great outpouring of power. You know the progression, Acts 2, Acts 4. The, the, the presence of God fell, uh, filled them, sent them out, launched them out. Uh, Stephen and Philip did miracles in Acts chapter 6, great miracles. And So in Acts 7, you got uh, Stephen preaching here in verse 54 of Acts chapter 7. And when they heard these things, this is Acts 7 verse 54, and when they heard these things, they were cut to the heart and gnashed on him with their teeth. Well, uh, this is kind of an interesting response to the message, hallelujah. <laughs> and uh, uh, this is kind of bizarre. You know, what part of the church do you work in? Do you work with the sound? Do you work with the youth? Do you work, are you an usher? No, I'm a part of the bite squad. So, uh, I mean, that'd be kind of weird. What, what's that group over there? They're the biters. Hallelujah. So, so here he preaches this awesome message about Jesus, and man, they didn't get that happy. They started chewing on him. I ain't never been in service when people got so mad at the preaching that they started chewing on somebody. They started biting on Stephen for this message. I mean, how weird is that? So here you've got the biters going after him. Uh, I've seen people frustrated in church, but I've never seen somebody gnaw on somebody. So they heard the message, they were cut to heart, and they gnashed on him with their teeth. That's weird. Now, verse 55. But he, being full of the Holy Ghost, looked up steadfastly into heaven and saw the glory of God. And Jesus standing on the right hand of God. He said, Behold, I see the heavens open, and the Son of Man standing on the right hand of God. Wow. Well, that made him even more irritated. <laughs> and here's Stephen in the midst of something that was horrible. He, he, he gets to see reality. He looks up and he sees Jesus standing on the right hand of God. He said, I see the glory of God. Hallelujah. Now, the, the early church started with outpourings of the power and the glory of God. We will finish exactly the same way. The Bible always goes full circle. We'll get to see a demonstration of glory like no other generation has ever seen. Now, the amazing thing about our generation is we've been taught out of our belly would flow rivers of living water. Yes. That, that we have this treasure in earthen vessels. How cool that you get to see God starting it out by coming down on them and helping them. And then we've learned that He not only comes down and manifests, He pours through us. Yes. So here, but it's a reality. There is the throne of God. Jesus is sitting at the right hand of the Father. And here Stephen gets to look up and sees it. It's a reality that that realm, the glory of God realm. If you look all through the scriptures, you see that the glory of God in Romans, it's the Spirit of God. We know that. We see over in Hebrews that, that Jesus was raised up from, from the pit of hell with the oil of gladness. He was raised by the glory of God. So the glory of God's the Spirit of God. It's the, the joy of God. It's just His personality. He's just happy all the time. You know, he told me a few years ago, uh, uh, I think the Lord's a whole lot more normal than we think He is. Years ago, I remember, I, I think I was in Michigan. He said, follow your fathers in the faith. Well, man, my ears perked up. I, I remember where I was. and I said, oh, yeah, Kenneth Hagin, John Osteen. And he said, George Hamilton. I said, George Hamilton, that's that tan actor. I said, that's one of my fathers in the faith? How weird is that? So see, the, Lord, Lord, the Lord's happy. 
Jesus was raised out of the worst situation ever in the pit of hell with the oil of gladness. Now Stephen looked up and saw the glory of God, the throne of God, but it's the joy of God. He was raised with the oil of gladness above thy fellows. Hallelujah. And the height of the glory of God, Hebrews says that Jesus is the brightness of the glory of God. Woo, hallelujah. He's the deal. I like Lester Summerall used to sing that song, I saw the glory, I saw the glory. Jesus is the glory. Jesus is the glory of God. Wow, hallelujah. And we get to live right when the the earth gets to really get a dose of what Jesus is like. Not religion, not tradition, but the resurrected Son of God. Hallelujah. Amen, amen. And you notice every time in the book of Acts when the church needed kind of a kind of a push, uh, it wasn't just the church being real slick and real cool. Acts 2, God said, okay, you guys gather together and the Holy Ghost fell. Acts chapter 4, they thought that was pretty good. Why don't we pray for it again? And they said, Lord, stretch forth your hand that signs and wonders would be wrought by the name of thy holy child Jesus. Then the Holy Ghost fell. Hallelujah. The place was shaken where they were assembled. I've been in some wild meetings. I've been in meetings where people shook under the power. I've been in meetings where people did the chicken and the swan, you know. Uh, And it's cool. But I've yet to be in a meeting where the building shook. Hallelujah. But you can see God coming down and manifesting to where nature can't even handle it. You see that in the Old Testament. I believe it's Exodus 19. The Bible said that, that God would come down on the mountain. The mountain would vibrate. Okay, if you want to get real physical, Jesus is about, what, six foot tall? So a being six foot tall would make the the whole earth begin to quake and move because of His glory, because of His makeup, because of what makes Him God. Hallelujah. Then you see Moses, even at times after he'd been up in that glory, he was around God for a little while, and he began to radiate. He began to, his flesh, even before he was born again, his flesh began to emanate what God's really like, to where you couldn't contain it. It was radiating life right through his face. Remember, they put a lampshade over him. Remember that? They put a blanket over his head and said, Man, you're, you're, you're too bright. Your, your wattage is too strong. So they said, When you come out from talking to God, we'll put this lampshade over you so we can handle it. And when you go back in to talk with the Lord, you can take that lampshade off. Hallelujah. So, so even a natural man could be around our dad, our God, and it would so get on him that he would be saturated. And then Jesus came and redeemed us and made a container for himself so that that glory could be in us. Oh, hallelujah. Let's go back and look at it. Run back if you would. Go back to Exodus. Just go back there for a little bit. We'll run a little bit tonight and see what direction we're going to go. Go to Exodus chapter... Exodus 33, I believe it is, because we quoted Exodus 19. When the, when, actually, in Exodus 19, I didn't finish it. God told him to put a fence around the mountain. Listen to this. He said, put a fence around the mountain lest they even get too close to me and look... And it kills them. <laughs> wow. Now, God wasn't mad at anybody. He's just so glorious, and they weren't glorious. Yeah. Somebody's going to give. It ain't going to be the Lord. He, he's righteous, and they weren't righteous. So he said, you know what? I better protect them so they don't even look at me, and it fry them. Wow. Now, see, our, our time, we've kind of forgotten how awesome he is. You know, we've accustomed to his word. We're accustomed to who we are in Christ. But the old-timers, if I can say it that way, they, there was a group of people that brought us this message that had a reverence for God, a reverence for his awesomeness, a reverence for how great he is, a reverence for how, how radical he is. Now, I don't live in the old covenant. I, I almost kind of mock people that live in the old covenant. I don't mean to be, give them a hard time, but I live in the new, praise the Lord. I call them the left side preachers. You know what I'm saying? They want to be on the left side of the book. I like the right side of the book. Amen. Amen. So let's go back here and look at Exodus, though, because we can get some pictures that give us a glimpse of what we're, what we're carrying. Yeah. Amen. You're a mobile throne. God likes mobile homes. You're, you're a carrier of this glory. 
Amen. Hallelujah. So go over here to Exodus, if you would. You know the verses here, Exodus 33. These verses we've heard many times, but let's take a look at this a little bit more and get into it. Exodus 33, verse 8, And it came to pass, when Moses went out of the tabernacle, that all the people rose up and stood every man at his tent door and looked after Moses until he was gone to the tabernacle. Verse 9 of Exodus 33. And it came to pass, as Moses entered into the tabernacle, the cloudy pillar descended and stood at the door of the tabernacle, and the Lord talked with Moses. Wow, that's a pretty cool service. You know, how was service last night? Well, it was good, but actually the Lord even came down in a pillar and talked to the preacher. Wow, that's a pretty cool service. So watch here in verse 10. And all the people saw the cloudy pillar stand at the tabernacle door, and all the people rose up and worshipped every man at his tent door. So everybody responds. There's not like, well, what? there's no critiquing here. That's what I'm trying to get to here in this, in this day before Jesus comes back. The church will get that critiquingness out and they'll get this hunger for God. The awesomeness of God, they'll lose that kind of edge attitude like, well, whatever. Man, you get to hanging around who God is and it takes that whatever out of everybody. Am I in the right room? Come on now. Because my friend, we, we have, the, our, our generation has confronted our awesome God with a little bit of that attitude and He's going to love on us and show us how awesome He is. Woo, hallelujah, amen. So look what happens here in verse 10. And the, all the people saw the cloudy pillar, that's cool, stand at the tabernacle door. So obviously God's veiled himself so he wouldn't fry Moses. And all the people rose up and worshipped every man at his tent door. And the Lord spake unto Moses face to face as a man speaks to his friend. Wow. So we see here God coming down talking to Moses. He's veiled himself in this cloud so he doesn't vaporize Moses, you know, uh, like a, you know, you're gonna, I was going to talk to you, start talking to you, you're gone. So, so he's put this cloud here as a barrier. But you'll notice here Moses is kind of excited talking to God face to face. But if you'll go over a few more verses here, Moses says, I beg you, show me your glory. I'd be like, hello? It doesn't get much better than God talking to you face to face. But you'll notice Moses is not satisfied. He's not satisfied. I like what Wigglesworth used to say. He'd say, I'd rather be on the platform with a preacher that's not baptized in the Holy Ghost, but is hungry for God, than somebody that's baptized in the Holy Ghost and not hungry anymore. Oh, come on. Good night, everybody. Come on. And here Moses, Moses goes, I beg you, show me what makes you God. Because, you know, we, we, we have a lot of word, and we know the word of God, but we don't know the God of the word. You get to knowing the God of the word, and it makes you so radical that nothing can stop you. And you see that manifested in Jesus' life. They came to him. He said, Satan has come. He has nothing in me. He walks on the water. He speaks to storms. There's a dominion mentality because he knew his father. Yes. Yeah. Well, we, we know the verses, but my friend, God wants to rekindle who he really is in your life. Yes. So that there is no weakness. There is no defeat. There's only victory all the time. Amen. For people, they can get close to you and they, they can get blessed. Yeah. They can get yeah. blessed getting close to you. So you notice Moses here, Lord, this is cool, but I, I, want, I, want, I want more. I'm not satisfied. Yeah, yeah. I'm not satisfied where I am right now. I want to see more of you. Yeah. So you know what the Lord does. Look what he does here in verse, I believe it's verse 18. He said, I beg you, show me your glory. And the Lord said in verse 19, I'll have all my goodness pass before you. So, so here God called his glory his goodness. I mean, that's, that's pretty radical because we have a tendency to think of the glory of God being the awesomeness and coming down. We, we, we talked about it earlier. It's the, it's the presence of God. It's the Spirit of God. It's the oil of gladness. Jesus. Mm. 
He's the brightness of the glory of God. And God Himself says, oh, you want to see more of me? You want to see my glory? I'll show you my goodness. Now see, the world, so even the church so wants to right now put us in this dispensation of God's critiquing you and mad at you. And we know, thank God, He ain't mad at us. Hallelujah. Amen. So you know the story. You remember the Lord said, okay, I'll tell you what, Moses. I'll let you see my back parts, but I'm so radiant you can't see my face. So what I'm going to do is put you in a cave to protect you here a little bit. And I'm going to put my hand over your eyes. And when I walk by you, I'll pull my hand back and you can see my back. He's so radiant. He said, you can't even, you, you can only see the back here. Praise the Lord. Isn't that cool? So watch what happens. Go over to chapter 35. Still with me? How many still glad you came? How many glad you're here? You're not in surgery. Come on now. It's better to be in church than surgery. Praise the Lord. So look at chapter 34. Look what happens here. And the Lord passed by before them. And this is verse 6. Look what happens when he does this. He He's going to show Moses what makes him God. He's going to show him his goodness. The Lord passed by before him and proclaimed, The Lord, the Lord God, merciful and gracious, long-suffering and abundant in goodness and truth, keeping mercy for thousands, forgiving iniquity and transgression and sin. He said that will by no means clear the guilty, visiting the iniquity upon the fathers, upon the children, upon the children's children, to the third and the fourth generation. So in other words, Jesus is going to have to come to clear the guilty. Moses made haste, bowed his head toward the earth, and worshipped. He got a dose of God's goodness here. God talking about who he really is, his goodness, and he hit the dirt. Hallelujah. How cool is that? Isn't that something that we, in this dispensation as the church age, we can go boldly before the throne of grace. You heard the song tonight. I love your songs you sing. I love the music that you have here. It's so awesome. I mean, every time we've come, it's like, man, it just gets better and better and better. There's nothing about honoring the Son of God. Nothing about worshiping Him. Hallelujah. I love that you said that. It's hard to transition from that because it's just the most righteous thing you can do. Hallelujah. But here God goes, okay, you want to see what makes me God? I mean, Stephen saw it, and he saw the throne of God, but God says, I'll show you what makes me God. I'll let my goodness pass before you. You know, I remember a meeting I was in years ago. I was preaching along, and uh, I was in Beaumont, Texas. Now, I'll get to my message here in just a minute, so just hang with me a little bit. If you don't like my first one, just pick out one you like. I'll, I'll go through a few here in just a moment, okay? <laughs> I was in Beaumont, Texas, and uh, there were some prisoners there. I even said this morning, how many glad you're here, not in jail, blah, blah. And uh, they weren't really excited about the message. You understand what I'm saying? And as a traveling guy, I'm there to kind of confront them. You know, the pastor's office exudes decency. The traveling guy exudes urgency. So, you know, they're confronting me with unbelief. We're talking about it today. Uh, my deal is how many times do you have to hear this before you do the will of God? How close do you have to get to the coming of the Lord before you do this? So they're confronting me with their unbelief. Well, uh, thank God there was a guard on the end. So, you know me, the traveling guy, I went right up there to them. If they're going to confront me with their unbelief, i got a whole lot more belief to confront them with. Yeah. Good night, everybody. Drive safely. Come on now. Now, I'm not mad at them. I'm, they're, they're visibly communicating to me they want to kill me. Because they don't like my preaching. They're just glad to get out of jail. They'll do anything to have the furlough. So, yeah. so remember, communication is facial expression. 57% of communication is your facial expression. 37% is body language. I can tell if you're getting it by the look on your face. The look on their face was, I wish I had a 45 to shoot the short preacher. Well, they're communicating to me. Thank God there was no weapons in that church. So I'm going right back there to them. I'm just, I'm just getting right in their face. And man, you could feel it. That you could feel the love coming down the aisle. But it wasn't love. It was like, mm, you could just feel that feeling. I said, well, 
I tried so hard to get them to get it, and, and it was just backfiring on me, you know what I mean? So I stumbled a little bit more, of uh, preached a little bit. And then I had a word of knowledge. I, had, I saw a woman in a car wreck. She was in a beige LTD Ford. She's teed at an intersection, and she slides across her car, and her face hits the side of the window. But I knew that she hurt her shoulder. I said, come, come on down, the Lord will heal you. This woman got up, come walking down. You can kind of see the scabs on her face where the scabs had healed up a little bit. I said, come on down, the Lord will heal you. This was an old Piggly Wiggly grocery store where we were meeting there in Beaumont. So there were poles in that church, in that grocery store. And the Lord said, tell her to put her arm up on one of the poles. I didn't think anything about it. She put her arm up on the pole like that. And the Holy Ghost said, uh, slug her in the shoulder. Uh, and, and, you know, so I didn't think anything about it. I went like this, and I said, be healed. Jesus' name, pow, pow. Well, those prisoners didn't like my preaching, but I went to slugging that lady in church. Man, their eyes got real big. They're like, they haven't been to a church server where the preacher's hitting people, praise the Lord. But she starts screaming. She says, going all over me, going all over me, going all over me. And, and she, she goes, I'm healed, I'm healed. And, and the pastor, Howard Cameron, walked down and said, I was in the hospital room when the doctor said, we're going to have to rebuild your shoulder. And here she's swinging her arm around like this, and she's rejoicing and, and is glad. While we're having that little testimony service, the prisoners got out of their seat, came walking down the aisle. While we're talking here and doing the testimony of this, they walked right down and began to lift their hands up like that. They began to sing their own song unto the Lord. They gave their life to the Lord. It wasn't because of my preaching. They saw the goodness of God. They didn't like my preaching. They saw what makes God God. He, He remade that woman's shoulder. What man would try to do to repair it as good as it could, bam, just like that. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. Hallelujah. Now, Peter and I are back there. I introduced them this morning, and I didn't introduce my lovely wife. I did this morning my sweet wife right there, Colleen. I'm so blessed. I have such an awesome wife. Uh, uh, Thank God you don't have to look at the picture on the book table. You're with me. Praise the Lord. But Peter and Aisha back here, wait, raise your hands. Peter and Aisha, these are dear friends that live in Dallas. They came all the way from Dallas to your 10th anniversary. You guys are in Greensboro, North Carolina. I'll never forget it. Uh, I didn't really know. I'd met you guys in Dallas. And uh, Peter's a defense attorney. And, and Aisha's a federal prosecuting attorney. So she's coming here to spy out your church. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> in this meeting in Greensboro, I can't remember how many years ago that was. Maybe five, six, I don't know, four, I don't know. Greensboro. I'm preaching along, and uh, uh, I, th- I can't remember. I think I had a word of knowledge about somebody being in a car wreck. And a lady came down, and, man, I felt it come on me as, as gifts of the Spirit. I said, hey, uh, I said, who's never seen a miracle before? I said, there's anybody here you've never seen a miracle? I said, come on down right now. Well, Aisha, uh, right there, she came walking down. I didn't really know Aisha that well. just had met her in Dallas. She came walking down, and she's standing around this lady. And there was maybe three or four people standing around like that. And the Lord said, hit this lady on the back of the head. Now, see, I don't want to do that. I, you know, normally when you pray for somebody who's been in a car wreck, you go, Father, thank you. They're redeemed from the curse of the law. Have a great night. We'll see you later. Boom, they're healed. Well, the Lord says, slug her on the back of the head. I went, kapow, and that lady was healed right there. And I looked at Aisha and I said, well, there you go. But I mean, that is a little more radical, but we almost want it to be like Hollywood. Like, whoo, they came off the ground, spun around. You know, we've gotten so accustomed to that you can have miracles right in front of people's eyes, and they don't. sometimes it's like it's not, it's not enough fanfare. Because I kind of go out of my way to be low-key, but God's doing miracles all the time. He's, he's, I mean, hitting people is not really uh, low-key. But, I mean, He'll do some things in, in our midst if we'll believe Him. We'll, we'll, we'll see the glory of God. Now, this is what the church has is, is got to get. Now, we're, I want to get to what, what I want to land on. It's just taking me a while to get there. Years ago, I was preaching... Um, 
in Michigan. I was in Warren, Michigan. It's right outside of Detroit where they, I can't remember if it was Ford's headquarters or one of the car headquarters. I had a word of knowledge uh, that uh, someone had damage in their blood. And it was, we were in a high school auditorium. It was the cafeteria. So there's a bunch of people all the way back in the back. And I called it out. I said, it's not AIDS, but, it, but it's similar to AIDS. And uh, so nobody raised their hands. You know, I've had several people healed of AIDS, and they'll, they'll come right down and tell you. I, when you, I remember praying for a couple of people thinking, well, I think they have AIDS. And a couple weeks later, they write you and go, you know, I had full-blown AIDS, and it's gone because the, the word's awesome. Jesus is the same. So I'm thinking it's like AIDS, but not full-blown. And nobody, people aren't going, hey, it's me. <laughs> so, <laughs> so I said, uh, uh, so I waited for a little bit. I said, you know, I'm not leaving until you come. I waited a little while, waited a little while. And then finally a mom in the back goes, this is my daughter right here. Well, as I, I said, okay, we'll pray for you. And you know me, kind of trying to be full service church, I started walking back there. I said, you don't have to come down, I'll come to you. So as I'm walking back to her, like that little girl goes, no, no, I, I, I don't want it. And I'm like, wow, here, Lord, you're wanting to take care of her blood. She doesn't even want it. Well, all of a sudden, she gets up and starts walking. I'm going, I'm on my way back to pray for her. I'm about right here, and she gets up like that and walks out. I said, it's okay. Don't worry about it. Now, this is the mercy of God. This is the goodness of God. I said, it's okay. It doesn't matter. You can get mad at God tonight. You can curse God tonight. You're getting healed whether you like it or not. <laughs> and, man, I like that kind of stuff. Well, I, I, she's walking off. I go, you're healed. Glad you came tonight. And, uh... <laughs> I mean, God's not going to overtake people's will because you have your own will. But when it comes to this mercy of God stuff like this, this, He's just so good. Sometimes He'll just say, I'm going to deliver this goodie to you whether you like it or not. We came back to service the next night. The mom got up in front of the whole church said, I took my daughter to the doctor today and they couldn't find a trace of what was wrong with her blood. She got healed leaving the service. I mean, walking away mad. His, His goodness, His goodness, He wants to display that glory to this, this generation. So you you have this platform. You have this platform of teaching, this platform of righteousness, this platform that God can work with so you can literally display how radically good He is. I'll give you another one here, then I'll get to what what I'm going to land on for a second. I was preaching there in Michigan. I told you about Warren, Michigan. The Lord had told me to preach a message in, I think, 1987. And I said, you know, I don't really want to preach that because I like to preach fun stuff. You know what I'm saying? Because, you know, when you, the harder you preach, everybody kind of, ah. so you want, it to, you want to have a good time in a service. Am I in the right room? Come on. You don't want to go, man, that was the most horribly hard. <laughs> we all walked away. Oh, God, help us, you know. So the Lord had told me to preach this message. I said, I don't want to preach that. He said, doesn't matter what you want to preach. This is what you're supposed to preach. I was like, oh, Newman. Okay. So, so about three years later, I was preaching up in Michigan. And I was staying at a buddy of mine's house. We were just there at Tom and Judy's house the other day. And uh, I was worshiping the Lord in his study. He has this real cool study. I was just getting ready to preach. This was, wow, 1990. And uh, I was listening to Sandy Patty tapes about Jesus. She was singing about Jesus. And uh, so I'm just sitting there praying in tongues, minding my own business, not thinking about anything other than I had got a service the next day. So I was preparing for that service, and I was praying in tongues and listening to worship music. Man, all of a sudden I began to cry. I thought, man, why am I crying? What's up with this? I'm a happy person, you know. And I realized it was the presence of God, and I just kind of felt overwhelmed that he's so good to me. Like it was catching me off guard. And I'm like, man, you're just so good. I looked up, and there's Jesus right there. Uh, had a, hit, my buddy has this desk right there kind of at an angle, and Jesus is standing right there in front of me, leaned up against that desk, had a white robe on an olive green sash. Now, now I'm freaking out, the hair on the back of my head, like this. I'm like, ah, oh, there's Jesus. And, and he's just standing there, and, and I'm just bawling like a baby. I'm, Hoo-hoo. and we think of all the cool things we want to say when you see Jesus. Looks like a Diet Coke, how are you doing? <laughs> how, how was the trip? You know, you know, whatever. So you, you, know, and you want to th- say the right thing. 
But I'm freaking out. All I can think about is how good he is. All I can think about, now watch, he's not critiquing me. He's not judging me, not analyzing me. I'm seeing how much he loves me. Now see, this is his glory. This is what it did to me. I, I, I repented so fast, Lord, I'll preach whatever you want me to preach. I don't care what anybody thinks. I thought his love and his mercy reached out to me. He could have gone, hello, you're a loser. I told you to preach this message and you haven't done it. I mean, that's kind of the way we want to do it. He shows up going, I love you so much. And I'm like, holy cow, I can't handle that kind of love. His goodness led me somewhere. His goodness led me to change. It led me to repentance. I surrendered. I'll, I'll do whatever you want me to do. And I'll just tell you right now, my friend, when pressure comes on you, it's not from the Lord. When irritation comes on you, it's not from the Lord. Everything about Him is only joy, only goodness, only grace. So if you're dealing with something in your life and you're going, well, I'm just kind of frustrated about that, that ain't the Lord. Come on now. Because people so want to romanticize the hell they're going through that maybe the Lord's trying to help me in this deal. That ain't the Lord. It's Lucifer trying to mess with you to keep you from doing the will of God. So you, you bust out of that. Jesus is standing right there in front of me and I'm bawling like a baby. Isn't it something, you know, we're, we're in a different church every week. Your critiques, don't like your hair, don't like your shirt, don't like, you know, everything's analyzed. Jesus is looking at you right now, not analyzing you. He loves you. And the world is desperate to see this. They're longing to have that, that itch scratched by what you have on the inside of you. Oh, come on. Jesus said, if you'd believe, you'd see the glory of God. I told the Lord, I said, Lord, how come we don't see the manifestation of that kind of presence like you used to in years gone by? He says, because people don't believe like they should. Mm, 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 mm. We'll get into it here in a minute, but my friend, I'm not gonna, I wasn't there when the Red Sea was parted, but I believe it. I wasn't there when Jesus walked on the water, but I believe it. How dare the unbelief of the world creep into the church to where we'd almost kind of analyze things and critique it like that. No, He is. And He is a rewarder of them that diligently seek Him. Oh, come on now. And where there is invitation for Him, He will absolutely manifest His glory and His goodness. Now let's go through this for just a minute. Let's just run through this for just a moment. Hang with me. It's your, it's your heritage as a Holy Ghost, Word, Pentecostal, whatever you want to call it. Last day's tabernacle, the outpouring of praise. I like to add a few things to it, you know. <laughs> but how many of you remember John Wesley? Remember John Wesley? Yes. I mean, Wesley was known for what did he start? He started the Methodist Church. He said, let God set you on fire. People will come watch you burn. He, Wesley said, you give me ten men that hate sin and love God, and I will change the world. But another thing that happened in one of John Wesley's meetings, all of a sudden he's preaching along, and they didn't understand all this. The power of God came in there. The woman fell out under the power. They'd never seen that before. They walked over to it. Wesley walked over to it and said, I don't know what's wrong with her. He says, is there a doctor in the house? The doctor came down. He said, well, I don't, she's not, doesn't seem to have anything wrong with her, but she's under some kind of spell. And then Wesley said, is there a hypnotist in the house? Because we know we're not supposed to do that. They didn't know back then. The hypnotist came down and said, you know, I don't, she's not hypnotized, but she's under some kind of spell. And Wesley had enough brains to say, well, let's just hang out long enough till she wakes up, and when she wakes up, we'll see who gets the glory for it. In this Methodist church, they waited 45 minutes while she's laying on the floor. All of a sudden, she woke up and said, Glory to God. Wesley said, Don't worry, it's the Lord. (laughs) 
she got up, started talking about the Lord taking her up into heaven and showing her all over glory. How, how this is the reality. There is a heaven to gain and a hell to shun. Now that's the Methodist church. Okay? They begin to have meetings where the glory of God would fall and every single person in the room would get saved right there in front of them. I'll give you one from Charles Finney, a Presbyterian lawyer. A Presbyterian lawyer preaching up in Utica, New York. They'd never been around this before. All of a sudden he's preaching. All of a sudden every single person in the room falls out under the power of God. And he just kind of stands there, doesn't know what to do with it. Also, when they wake up, every single one of them were saved and talking in tongues. Presbyterians. <laughs> now, that, I mean, our group is like, we think that's normal. But see, this is, this is how this book got to us in this generation. You got another one. You got George Whitfield. Remember George Whitfield? Remember him? He was a preacher up in Boston. Remember the, the Boston Square there? Colleen and I have been there many times, right there in the, the main center of Boston. There, there's, it's called the Boston Common. And, and, and George Whitfield, uh, uh, several hundred years ago, he's there in the Boston Common. And he told them they'd all hang out in the trees when he'd get ready to preach. He said, boys, you better get out of the trees because I'm going to begin to preach. When I begin to preach, the power of God's going to fall. I don't want you to fall out of the tree. And you know what Whitfield was? He was a Wesleyan Methodist. A Wesleyan Methodist. So you got West Methodists having the power of God. You got Presbyterians having the power of God. Another one was a guy called uh, uh, Peter Cartwright. He used to ride horseback on the turn of the century. Uh, man, thank God we don't have to evangelize on horseback. Hallelujah. Amen. <laughs> he, he would go on horseback up through Kentucky and West Virginia. And back then you know, they didn't have hotels, but they had saloons. He came up to one saloon and uh, put his horse up like that. And as he walked in, one of the ladies said, Hey, won't you come to the dance tonight? And he was a Wesleyan method as well. He said, well, we don't, we don't believe in worldly, worldly dancing. So he said, I'm not going to come. He goes up to his room, and the Holy Ghost says, hey, you need to go down to the dance tonight. He goes, I'm not going to go down to the dance. They're worldly dancers, and I don't do that. And the Holy Ghost gave him a nudge, so you need to go down there to that dance. All of a sudden, Cartwright comes down to the dance. The, the music's you know, going along and getting louder and louder. So he walks down to the dance, and the girl runs up and goes, hey, you came tonight. He walks up to him. She, he goes, yeah, I came. So he's standing there. The music's going. He's a big old tall guy with cowboy boots on. He's got the girl's hand there that asked him to come to the dance. And he said with a real loud, booming voice, I always pray before I do anything. <laughs> I mean, this is while the music's going. People are dancing all over. They're clomping along on the wood floor. And this man's yelling out, I always pray before I do anything. Now watch. He began to pray. He said, Lord, thank you for our nation, the heritage of the, of the plan of God for the United States of America. He said, and Lord, I thank you for your hand upon our nation. I thank you for blessing this place where I am right now. Bless these heathen that are here in this room. He's praying for them. All of a sudden, he hears a thud. Boom, somebody hits the floor. He keeps praying. All of a sudden, he hears another thud. Boom, another person hits the floor. While the music's going, boom. The guy playing the music, boom, falls over. Next thing you know, the girl he's holding on to, she falls out of the power. By the time he's done praying, everybody in the dance hall and the bar has fallen out under the power of God. Now see, this is our heritage. This is our heritage. But we, we've come to the very end here, and you can kind of feel it in the church. Why, 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 when will we see all these things we're supposed to see? When we believe like we believe when we first got in this. No holds barred, radical, bold, daring faith. Oh, come on now. Believe in the horns off a billy goat faith. You know what I'm saying? Radical, mocking unbelief, mocking defeat, mocking cancer, mocking whatever you want to mock that's not godly. Come on on now. 
I'll come preach to you, Dad. God bless you. So see, see that that's the deal. Now, the reason why God wants this in us again and a renewal of this again, because He desires to display His glory. He desires to display what makes Him God. He desires to have the world see He's the good guy, not the bad guy. I can't believe I'm going to do this, but I'm going to give you six points real fast. I'm going to do it in the next two minutes. Six points. Number one, how, how do we get this presence like, like we should have? If it started this way, it'll finish this way. Number one, unity. Genesis 11, they were all of one voice and of one language. I remember they said one to another, Go to, let us build a tower. Remember that, the Tower of Babel. And the Lord came down because of their unity, because they were saying the same thing. He said nothing would be restrained from them, what they've imagined to do. Wow. So you think about that. Your unity can bring God on the scene. Now, this we've learned over the years that we're, we're, we're this demonstration is supposed to come through us. But He doesn't just want it to come through us. He wants that corporate gathering to where God can come in and do everything He wants to do. Yes. So that when we go out of here, we're radiating. Yes. I remember that meeting I was in in Tulsa. Man, i got to give you these points. This meeting I was in in Tulsa years ago, I, I had my Jeep, went up to get some gas, and uh, uh, I walked into there to get me a big... Diet Coke, big 32 or 44 ounce, or I can't remember, but I was just blessed thinking, I'm getting me a Diet Coke. And as I walked in, this man yelled out, Hey, I sure would like to know how to go to heaven. I was fumbling with my Diet Coke. You know, I was thinking, Is this man talking to me? Who's he talking to? And I was making sure I didn't spill any of my Diet Coke because it's so precious, you know. <laughs> and this man yells out again, He goes, Hey, I sure would like to know how to go to heaven. And I kept thinking, I didn't even think he was talking to me. I was looking around, I thought, Well, out of, out of you know, the way it works here is there's nobody else in, in the thing, so he's talking to me. I was like, me? So I walk up to the counter. I go, well, I, I can show you how to get to heaven. Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. I didn't walk in the gas station going, Woo, it's time to preach in the gas station tonight. I got it all over me. Woo, it's in my hands and my feet. Got it all over me. No. I, I had been in the meetings where I got it in my hands. I got it in my feet. I got it all over me. He, yeah. he wants to corporately get in here to where it'll so get into you that you don't even have to preach. Yeah. Yeah. They'll be calling out to you, how do I go to heaven? Yeah. Come on now. So you can have the unity of a church going, Lord, you're good and your mercy endures forever. And as we're saying the same thing, he'll be so like, wow, their unity, their being as one brought him down. Now you think about it. God had to confound their voice, their language. You're talking to one of your buddies. He speaks Japanese. This guy speaks German. The reversal of that miracle is Acts 2. We have one language, the Holy Ghost. The baptism of the Spirit got that back to you. We need to be praying in tongues more than we've ever prayed in tongues before. So you've got unity. The next one, obviously, would be prayer. Acts 2, the Lord came down, baptized them with the Holy Ghost. What, what were they doing when He came down? What were they doing? Praying. They were in one accord, and they were praying. And the Lord came down. What happened in Acts 4 when He came down again? They were praying. So you got unity. You've got prayer. Well, you could, just, you could preach a whole sermon on all these. But the next one would be praise and worship. You know that. Second Chronicles chapter 6, I believe it is, or 5. They, they were The dedication of Solomon's temple, they began to... The singers and the trumpeters became as one. What? To lift up their voice in one accord, saying, He is good, and His mercy endures forever. And then the house was filled with a cloud, the glory of the Lord, so that they couldn't even stand to minister by reason of the cloud. Wow. So you've got unity, you've got prayer, you've got praise and worship. Oh man, there's so much. I think probably the next one would be faith. 
I mean, just, just faith and believing that He is. And that's what we've been hearing for 30 or 40 years. So you believe in Him. That's what we've been taught. We believe who He is. And He's a rewarder of them that diligently seek Him. I'm quick to believe, not, not slow to believe. The next one, I believe, would be, be humility. No, hang with me. Because, <laughs> see, He resists the proud but gives grace to the humble. I believe the reason why the Lord hasn't been able to do what he wants to do is, is our Word of Faith group got so, we, we know so much. <laughs> that haughtiness, you know, this always goes over real good. I'll preach it back here. Excuse me just a second. <laughs> See, what happens is that kind of attitude sometimes has gotten crept into the church. And, you know, and the Lord's like, he's the opposite of that mentality. He's humble. He said, he said learn of me. I'm meek. I'm lowly of heart. And, and you, know, you find out who you are in Christ, it does give you a superiority complex. But on the other hand, you find out you're nothing if it wasn't for Him. Yes, right. But that humility, yes. in, the, in the Greek it says, He personally arrays Himself in battle armor against the proud, but gives grace to the humble. So if we'll be teachable, if we'll have a humility about our life, that haughtiness gets out and God's going to say, eh, I want to hang out with my family. As opposed to, I want to be with them, but it's like, yikes, I'm in them. <laughs> but I really can't manifest too much because, woo, help me, Jesus. <laughs> I don't know if he'd say, actually, help me, Jesus. <laughs> he might say, help me myself or whatever. <laughs> but there's some things that we can do to assure that we finish, we finish this dispensation. We finish this church age like we ought. Wow. So that we can see this display of the glory of God. You remember Kenneth Hagin preaching in those meetings? I'm closing right now. I've been preaching too long. But remember Brother Hagin preaching in that meeting? There was a little girl that had polio. Wow. She's had braces all on her legs. Now, Brother Hagin didn't tell the story a lot because he didn't want to draw attention to himself. And back then in the days of the healing revival, they would put in the Assembly of God church there, they'd put the preachers up on the platform. They would circle the platform like this because it made more room for the people too. So they were kind of behind him as he's preaching. Called that little girl up. Now watch, this cloud came in. The glory of God came down in that meeting. And uh, all of a sudden they said, this is what the guy said in the voice of healing. They said the only way they can explain it is it looked like lightning. Begin to shoot out of that cloud. And that little girl, all of a sudden that cloud lifted off that little girl. And when she lifted off, she didn't have her braces on anymore. She's completely healed of polio. And, you know, Brother Hagin didn't want to tell the whole story because he didn't want to draw attention to himself like, you know, that cloud came in like that. But God desires to manifest in such a radical, if you can say extreme way, yeah. because he's God. Yeah. Wouldn't it be something to, you want to hang out with your kids, but your kids don't really realize what he's like? He's so radical that he wants to come down and display his goodness in such a, a, a I believe you were talking about what Jimmy was preaching on, a, a God with no limits. You know, just this, we, we've put this kind of limitation on the Lord. But my friend, he'll do it. He'll do it. He'll, he'll do it. And we, we know how this works because he's God. Mm, hallelujah. We will embrace him as a church. Hunger for him. My next one after humility was hunger. If you hunger and thirst, you'll be filled. Renew your hunger. What happens when people aren't, when they've lost their hunger for something, you've got to force feed them. When people haven't been eating real good, they lose their hunger for something. You've got to make them eat. And once they start eating again, they rekindle their hunger. You've got a hunger for the things of God. I mean, have a desire to, to see Him as He is. I remember I was in this meeting. I, I'm, we'll, we'll close with this because I, I want you to come back tomorrow. Remember John Osteen said, He who preaches short shall be heard again. Praise the Lord. <laughs> so I want you to come back. Uh, I was in this meeting in Jerseyville, Illinois. And I'll, and I'll finish with this story. It was pretty cool. I had gone to Ramah. 
and worked for this one preacher for about six years and worked for another preacher for two years. And they were both in this meeting in Jerseyville. I was working for the second preacher at this time. This is 86. In the meeting, now I grew up in the Word. I mean, I grew up with hearing Brother Hagin in 1970 going to meetings when I was a kid. Brother Hagin goes, there's that cloud, there's that glory cloud. And I'm looking around, what, what are you talking about? You know, As a kid, I go, I don't see any cloud. I'm, I love the service, but where's the cloud? I don't see any cloud. So, you know, I'm looking around. I grew up knowing you don't look for a cloud, don't look for a feeling, don't look for a manifestation. you got the Word. You know what I'm saying? I, when my mom hammered that in me, I'd have something wrong with me, shut up your heels. <laughs> so, so, so that's what I grew up with, you know. And um, So in that meeting in Jerseyville, I'd never seen anything like this. And I remember the first night it happened. Uh, it was Janet Brzee was singing this song, Lord, You're Wonderful, Wonderful to Me. And she was singing, and all of a sudden, man, that presence came in. I'll never forget as long as I live. I look back and I saw this cloud come in the church. And I'm thinking, man, that's the cloud they've been talking about all these years. I'm finally seeing it. I even kind of thought for a minute, am I imagining this? Man, it just come in like a wave like that. I'm thinking, wow. And then I heard the Holy Ghost say this. Now watch, I'm not crazy. The Holy <laughs> he's Obviously, he's judging on a scale here. <laughs> so anyway, uh, I heard the Holy Ghost say to me, he said, I came down here just to hear her sing. Because she magnified me. I thought, well, wow, that's cool. Because that, that's scriptural. He inhabits the praises of his people. I heard it so loud and clear that it kind of freaked me out. I was like, man, that's just loud and clear. So after the service, uh, Mark and Janet, we went out to eat dinner. And the other preacher that I was working for at the time, he was too tired. So he went back to the hotel. And I told Mark and Janet. I'd, I'd known them for years. I told Mark. He used to come preach for my mom in 74. So I said, dude, I, I saw the cloud tonight, finally. I'm not crazy, but I saw that glory come in. And I said, and listen, I heard the Holy Ghost say, I came down here just to hear you sing because you magnified me. And they were like, well, cool. You know, they know I'm not crazy, but they're like, that's kind of neat. You finally saw the glory. Hello. <laughs> so the second night we came in after that, and a guy had tried to attack the guy I worked for. He tried to get him in the back there, and I grabbed this guy and put my shoulder in like I was going to tackle him and put him up against the wall. So that second night, I'm looking in the black piano, in the reflection of the black piano as I'm standing right here, to see if that man's going to try to attack the guy I'm working for. So while I'm worshiping, I'm not thinking about the Lord. I'm not thinking about the glory. I'm looking at that black piano as a mirror to make sure that guy didn't come down the aisle and come after the guy I'm working for. So I'm just sitting there staring at that piano. All of a sudden, that presence came in again. I'm thinking, two nights in a row? What in the world? I mean, it just came coming in like a cloud, like a mist. I go, that's the presence of God. And I'm just kind of going, what is up with this, man? Two nights in a row. And I look up, and there's Jesus standing right there on the platform. Mm. I didn't hear him say anything, but the guy I was working for that didn't go to dinner with us the night before, he goes, there's Jesus right there. And he had a white robe and a burgundy sash. This is what Jesus said. <laughs> this is, this, but the guy I worked for said, this is what Jesus said. He said, I came down here just to hear her sing because she magnified me. I thought, thank you, Jesus, I haven't lost my mind. I told him, CCC, I told you what he said last night. So here you have Jesus physically coming to a church service. The glory of God physically coming in manifestation because a woman magnified him. What's, what's the greatest thing you can do to magnify him? He redeemed me. I'll not walk in this unbelief. He, he blessed me. He baptized me. Man, you're magnifying God. You're not talking about your problem. You're not talking about what the devil's doing. You're magnifying Him. Lord, you're good, and your mercy endures forever. Now, that was cool, man. It was cool to see Jesus standing on the platform. I'm like, oh, I'm crying. All this. Well, the whole thing that happened that night, there were some sinners that came that wouldn't come in. They're out in the parking lot. No, they couldn't get them in. They tried to drag them in. End of that service that night, every one of those sinners came in, gathered all around the altar, and gave their life to the Lord. Now, God wants to transcend some things in our lives. You are the carrier of this glory to manifest it. 
We'll get into it in the next few services. We know it, and that's what we've been hearing for years, that you can literally deliver this glory. But he wants to go just beyond that. He wants to do like the beginning of the book. He wants to manifest in our, in our services. He wants to manifest in your home. So that you're so magnifying him that he's like, I'm going to go hang out with my kids. <laughs>